Good morning. Uh, Today's reading is from Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 13. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound, like the blowing of a violent wind, came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all of those who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, and Alamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Phalia. Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene. Visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism. Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they have had too much wine. Karen. Well, for those who weren't here last week, we've started in the book of Acts. Uh, We're going to continue on uh, looking through this for most of the first half of the year. So uh, why not start reading it in your quiet times or other times, uh, loud times, whatever times, uh, depending on whether you've got kids or not. And uh, and yeah, it'll be good for us to work through this together. Uh, Let me pray and we'll open this really important passage of scripture. Father God, Uh, We come before you now and we give you great thanks that uh, we are people who have the Holy Spirit because we have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Spirit that has been sent and given to us, God the Holy Spirit living in us. Father, thank you that you have equipped and empowered us to declare the good news of Jesus. And we pray now as we open this word, Lord, that you speak to our hearts and that you help us to see and be encouraged Uh, by this wonderful event uh, that happened all that time ago. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I've always loved sport. Uh, I've played sport since I was five years old. Uh, Soccer and cricket were my big things. Uh, But there's one sport that I was probably best at, uh, and that was indoor cricket. Uh, I used to play representative indoor cricket. It was just one of those things I loved, uh, probably because I was the only guy who would stand up to the stumps with a 120, 130 kilometre an hour cricket ball coming uh, at you. Uh, but I love it. I've always had good reflexes, so that's been uh, my thing. Now, uh, the thing about sport, however, is you need equipment. And I might just get that first one up. That's not me, by the way. Um, <coughs> uh, now, when you go out to play cricket, and this is outside test cricket usually, uh, you want to be equipped. You make sure that you've got the right equipment. Now, if you're a batter 
you have lots of options. You've, you can see there, you've got pads, you've got a thigh guard, you've got a chest guard, you've got an arm guard, uh, you've got gloves. And then I've just highlighted what you don't see, and that is called, for those who don't know, a box that protects places which are very important, particularly if you want to have children in the future. Uh, now, there's a good reason for all that equipment. One, it's for your protection. But it's not just the protective equipment that you'll notice. There's also another piece of equipment, and that is the bat. That is the uh, way you actually go forward and score runs and, and, and make inroads into the game. You can accomplish uh, a win. But indoor cricket that I used to play is a little different. The ball's the same on the outside, but it's a bit softer in the inside. So when you go out to bat, all you're equipped with is with a pair of gloves, a box, and a bat, and that's it. It still hurts when you get hit, trust me. Um, but you don't want to forget your equipment when you go out to bat, like I did once. I had my bat and I had my gloves, but I'd forgotten the other piece of equipment when I left it in my bag. Now, the problem is, is you are really unprotected. Now, let's just say I retired hurt in that innings, and I'm very thankful that I have two children. You do not want to go out to bat without all your equipment. If you're ill-equipped when you go out to bat, you won't have the protection you need and you won't be able to score a win or runs uh, for the team. Well, do you believe that you are equipped to fulfill the mission God has for you? Last week in Acts 1, we saw the mission, the purpose that Jesus left us and all the disciples to build the kingdom of God through the proclamation of the gospel, the good news of Jesus, the witness of Jesus to the ends of the earth. But when you consider your purpose for your life, do you feel equipped or ill-equipped? Now, it's interesting what Reg said earlier and even what Michael shared. Neither of them felt very equipped, but it turned out they were equipped even if they didn't feel equipped for the task that God had them in mind for, for the kingdom. Well, as Jesus was presenting uh, this mission to the disciples in Acts 1, he says this in verse 4, which should be up on the screen. Uh, he said in chapter 1, verse 4, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. Uh, for John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. You see, Jesus is saying, here's the mission, but you need to be, wait until you're equipped to fulfill the mission. And the passage we're looking at this morning is the equipping of Jesus' disciples in order to fulfill the mission through the Holy Spirit. See, without the Holy Spirit fulfilling the mission that God has given us, it can't happen. And as we enter chapter 2, there's no doubt there's a great anticipation amongst the disciples as they wait in Jerusalem for the Holy Spirit. They've just chosen Matthias, Matthias to uh, replace Judas as the 12th apostle. And then we read this in chapter 2, verses 1 to 3. 
When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. So the day of Pentecost is a Jewish festival from the Old Testament. This isn't a new term. It's not a new day. Pentecost is the Greek uh, term for the festival or feast of weeks. Uh, God told them to observe this 50 days after the Passover in both Leviticus and Deuteronomy. And it celebrated uh, the completion of the grain harvest. The number of people at this time in Jerusalem would have probably swelled from around 55,000 to 200,000 people from all over the world. What a great day for the birth of the church. And the harvesting, which we come at next week, which we find out later on in uh, verse 41, of 3,000 converts on this one day. See, when it says here that they were all together in verse 1, it's more talking not of the 12 apostles, but the 120 followers of Jesus mentioned in chapter 1, verse 15. So there would have been 120 people in and around probably this house. They'd all gathered together. And all of a sudden in verse 2, a sound occurs. Now notice it's like a mighty rushing wind. It isn't a wind. And this sound filled the whole house. Now, up on the screen is, this is Grayson Clamp. Now, I think the reaction would have been like Grayson Clamp. Now, that's a picture of him when his cochlear implant was turned on for the first time and he heard his dad's voice. He's three years old. And his dad just said, Daddy loves you. You should watch the YouTube video. It's quite overwhelming. It's such a wonderful response. And I think this is the first time that they would have fully heard the realities, the first words of God or the first experience in its fullness of their father. Confusion, amazement, excitement, and even fear. Then we're told in verse 3 that what seemed to be tongues of fire came to rest on each one of them. How do you describe something so unique? But notice, I want you to notice the individuality of what's happening here. Specifically, we're told tongues of fire came onto each one of them individually it's not saying over the whole crowd as a collective but individually and the imagery of fire is significant fire is the way god revealed himself over and over again in the old testament to abraham as he set the covenant uh, through the cut animals he appeared as a pot of fire to moses as a fire in the bush God descended on Mount Sinai in fire when giving the Ten Commandments to Moses. And God guided Israel through the wilderness at night as fire. See, here in verse 3, God has returned to dwell with each one of his people. Not just the prophets, not just the, 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 the kings, but each person. 
that puts their trust in Jesus, God is with them individually and it's symbolized by fire. And then verse 4 says this, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now notice two words here, all, it was all of them. All of them were touched by the fire. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. Not one believer left that place without the Holy Spirit dwelling in them. And this fullness overflows with them, speaking in other languages that they didn't understand. Now, while verse 8 tells us the crowd that gathered were hearing believers speaking in their own tongues, the miracle is they were speaking languages that they didn't understand or know. It's a great sign. It's like a popcorn machine, I think. If you've, uh, I make my kids popcorn and you've got the, the air popcorn. Uh, I think it's up there. And then it, uh, it, once, once it's filled, once those popcorn kernels pop, it just starts overflowing into the bowl or onto the kitchen floor or wherever you've forgotten to put the bowl. See, the Holy Spirit fills them and flows out of them in a remarkable way. And it's a great sign. It's a sign that God is dwelling in them. And it's not just some languages. Verse 5 tells us there were God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. Verse 6 tells us the sound of all these languages drew the crowd together in bewilderment because they could, not, they could hear in their own language. And then in verses 7 to 11, which should be behind me, uh, they said, we're told this, utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia. Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongue. You see, the Holy Spirit is witnessing through the believers to the nations in order to build the kingdom of God to the ends of the earth. And this is exactly what Jesus said would happen uh, in the first chapter. He talks about, you will be my witnesses through the Holy Spirit. And so this is the fulfillment that, yes, this will happen as Jesus has said. But they weren't hearing them in common Greek language in their native tongues, not gibberish but a coherent message, and we're told proclaiming the wonders of God. Now, last uh, last year we looked, uh, we finished with Genesis. We went through Genesis 12 uh, to 50, and I just want to point out because we've done that, I just want to show you the uh, theologics, theological significance here. So, if you think back to creation, God's mandate was He made us in His image to fill the earth. And, uh, and full, uh, fill it, to fill the earth, to bring him glory. 
and to go forth and to be his representatives in order to reflect his glory to the ends of the earth so he is glorified. That's how we were created perfectly in the Garden of Eden. That was always the purpose. Then we get to Genesis 11, and they don't want to do that anymore. So they stop and build a city because they're worried that they're going to get scattered all over the earth. And in Genesis 11.4, it says this, Come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered over the face of the earth. So they have rejected God's plan and they want their own plan. That is effectively the, the outward working of sin. God then comes down and what does he do? He scatters them anyway but he confuses their language. The very next chapter in Genesis 12, we're told Abraham receives the promises of land, people, and that they will be a blessing to all nations. All families of the earth will be blessed through you. See, what's happening in Acts chapter 2 here is a reversal of what's happened in Genesis 11. See, God has scattered, confused the languages so that they can't uh, build these big cities for themselves. And now he has uh, sent the Holy Spirit to talk in all the languages of the earth, the known world at that time, in order for people to hear the good news that God has sent his one and only son in order to uh, save them from their sin. This is a reversal of all that unfolded all the way back in Genesis 11, which was always looking for this moment. It's now time for all families of the earth to be blessed through this good news of Jesus. It's a special time as the church is established and a powerful moment happens. The Holy Spirit has filled them. He is overflowing out of them. And now all nations are hearing the word of God and the wonders of God being uh, proclaimed. Well, the passage is uh, not uh, a doctrine primarily of speaking in tongues. This is about the fulfillment of Jesus's show, Jesus showing how we will witness through the Holy Spirit. So I'm not going to speak uh, about the... The, the spiritual gift of speaking in tongues, that's in Corinthians. But this is primarily this fulfillment of our witness. Now, John Piper says this. I think it could be on the screen for you. They were filled with an overwhelming sense of God's greatness and a sense of wonder at his works. The Spirit was filling them with his own vision of God and his own passion for God and his own prophetic words of praise. They spoke wonders in all sorts of languages so the whole earth could, receive, to, could hear about God's glory. See, the day God came to dwell with his people forever through the Holy Spirit is the day of Pentecost. A day his people are fully and forever equipped and enabled to be his witnesses. See, the significance is that all believers received the Holy Spirit on that day. And yes, in Acts, there are one-off and exceptions where people hadn't received that and they received the Holy Spirit later. 
But that was an exception, not the rule. This is telling us that all believers, when you put your trust in the Lord Jesus, you receive the Holy Spirit and you are equipped to go into the game, to go into the battle for the kingdom of God. See, the issue we have is we leave our equipment in the bag and then we go out to bat for the kingdom of God. We don't even think that we have a spiritual gift or the Holy Spirit's with us. So we start doing things in our own ways. But we are being told here that you are fully equipped to witness. You are equipped to love God, love people, and make disciples as you walk through this world. See, Jesus says to the apostles in Matthew 10, 19 to 20, when they deliver you over, he sent them out to witness, and he says, when they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you are to say, for what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. For it is not you who speaks, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. That's the same Holy Spirit that dwells in each of us. Now, I'm not saying all of you should be up here preaching or even praying. But I am saying that the, that the Spirit has and will equip you for the works he has for you. And it often happens as it happened to Reg. It's the same story I've got. I didn't wake up one morning and go, ooh, I think I'm a good preacher. I still don't wake up and think that, so don't worry. But I didn't wake up and, and think, oh, yeah, I can get out there and preach. I was over in England for two years trying to run away like Jonah. I was asked back in my church at Ramwick and I ran away. I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to do that. God spoke to me very, very clearly that he wanted me to come back. And I did that. And that first time I stood up in front of people, I tell you, it was petrifying. But God equips, he enables. And he speaks anyway, despite our failings and our, and our flaws. I was the guy who would not stand in front of people in high school. I got zero for every speaking assignment because I was so petrified of standing in front of people. So that's the same spirit that has been equipped with each of you, for each of you. And this is why Paul in Ephesians 6 says this, and I think I've got a graphic up there. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark and against dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes you may be able to stand your ground. You've got your protective equipment on with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, the breastplate of righteousness in place, your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to this, take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. This is all your protection. But then he says, take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit. That's not a defensive, protective piece of equipment. The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. That is your cricket bat. 
That is your sword for the battle. And we need to take up each and every component so we have protection and we are in the battle, winning souls for the kingdom of God. And then he says, pray on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. It's all undergirded by praying to God through the Holy Spirit. Well, back in Acts 2, chapter, uh, verses 12 and 13, he finishes this passage uh, by saying, Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, What does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said they have had too much wine. Well, next week, Peter preaches... Uh, well, not next week, he's already preached it, but I'm, we're going to look at... Uh, the passage that comes after this one where Peter preaches the first real Christian sermon and it is one of the most powerful passages you will ever see and he answers that question, what does this mean? So just remember, you are equipped with the Holy Spirit. God will provide all you need to fulfill what you've been called to do. The question is, have you left your equipment in the bag and you're too afraid to get in the game in case you end up retiring hurt? Well, are you willing to go with full confidence as you've worn your equipment of the Holy Spirit, you've clothed yourself in righteousness, you've, you've gone knowing that he goes with you? And the question is, where are you serving? Because it's not an option not to serve. Everyone is called with a spiritual gift to do something. What are you doing? Now, I know many of you are doing lots of things. And usually you're the first ones to go, oh, am I doing enough? You're doing enough. But many of us sit and think, oh, I'm not equipped. I can't do anything. I'm not able. Well, the truth is, I think almost everyone has thought that before they've been here. Because they're the type of people God will use. People who understand that it's not of their own strength. So that all glory goes to him. So that all the boasting moves to him. So whether or not you feel good enough, whether or not you feel equipped, there is something God's calling you to do. And Maybe your body is uh, telling you, well, you can't do anything. Well, I can guarantee you can pray guarantee there is always something you can be doing so let me encourage you to seek God's will through prayer for your life to build his kingdom because that is what binds us as a community the common unity of faith in the Lord Jesus the commonness of our spirit in us and collectively we we are the temple of God this is where he dwells, where two or three gather in my name. Let me pray. Father God, thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit, you have sent to dwell in each of us who have put our trust in the Lord Jesus. Father, I pray particularly for those of us here who feel ill-equipped, who feel that they have nothing to contribute, who would like to just tap out or not want to be a part because they feel they're not really able, what I pray you encourage them this morning to seek your will for their life 
as they build your kingdom through the Holy Spirit. Father God, as a church, I pray that as a body of Christ, we will have all members working and that the foot won't say to the hand, we don't need you, or the ear won't say to the toe, you're useless, but that each of us will see the value in every member of the body and every member of the body will be working so that we can build your kingdom here at GBC. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.